Welcome back to the JRM Sydney podcast. This is part two of our series of messages from our recently concluded virtual family camp. Now together this month, we are exploring our new series based on the theme of our camp, His Kingdom Comes. Together, let's grow deeper in our understanding and revelation of the gospel of the kingdom of God and His return. Don't forget to share this podcast and bless others. And visit our Facebook page or our website at jrmsydney.com for more information. We pray that this message empowers you and brings you to a right and fruitful relationship with Jesus. Let's welcome now our dearly beloved Reverend Sonny Carlos as he brings the word and enjoy the message. God bless you. A blessed day to all of you JRM Sydney leaders and online campers. This pandemic created a lot of fear, discomfort, delays, and isolation. And I really miss your wonderful and anointed activities because of travel restrictions. Physically absent during this camp, yet we really praise God because the Word of God, His very message, cannot be hindered by any pandemic in the world. Today, I would like to share with you the theme of this camp, His Kingdom Comes, taken from Revelation chapter 11, verse 15 to 19. And I would like to call your attention, please stand up, get your Bible and open it in Revelation chapter 11, beginning verse 15 to 19. Follow me as I read it from the ESV, Revelation chapter 11, beginning verse 15. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nation raged, but your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged, and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant was seen within his temple. There were flashes of lightnings, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and heavy hail. Shall we bow down our head? And close our eyes as we pray. Heavenly Father, we ask your divine intervention for this message, so dear God. We acknowledge the fact that we can do nothing apart from you. And I ask, so dear God, empty me of myself and fill me anew with your power, with your anointing, Lord, with your fresh revelation. Open the hearts and minds of your people. Those who are listening intently to this message of their Father. 
Let them experience your fresh revelation of your Father. And let this ancient word of God be relevant to our pandemic era in the name of Jesus. Help me to share your gospel, not by the enticing words of man's wisdom, but by the demonstration of the Holy Spirit and the power of the living God. In Jesus' name, this we pray. Amen and amen. Now, let us go to the would-be scenarios during the time in the context of this prophecy. Ano ang makikita natin? What could we see during that time? First, the church suffers persecution, but the church is victorious. That is what we see in Revelations chapter 11. Maybe you wonder why God's plan follows this path. Why does God allow the church to suffer like Jesus? And here is the answer. So that the unrepentant world may repent of their sin and believe in Jesus. As Christians, we follow the Lamb wherever He goes. He witness, we witness. He is persecuted, we are persecuted. He dies, we die. He arose from the dead, we will arise. He ascends, we ascend. But God's goal is the saving of many souls. Second thing, would-be scenario. The testimony of God's people is so relevant in the midst of uncertainty. If this scroll truly does represent God's plan for bringing ultimate justice to the world, then these trumpets represented the beginning of God's judgment. They were indeed judgment on a rebellious world. But they were also warnings. And yet, from natural disasters, pandemic, to wars, to demonic oppression, just as Revelation describes, the majority of men and women have not been humbled by this trumpet judgment. And the only hope for such a word was to be found in the testimony of God's two witnesses. And the two witness is a symbol for the church. This camp meeting as we study this, we arrive at the sounding of the seventh trumpet. So with all that in mind, brace yourself for the sounding of the seventh trumpet. In verse 15 it says, The seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven. All these events of this world is working toward one thing. And that is the day when Jesus himself will come and take his place upon the throne of David. His kingdom comes. Jesus reigns. His kingdom comes. First, his kingdom comes with immense jubilation. Remember this. Every covenant child of God 
should understand that our joy is not just the happenings around us, but our joy is from God. Do you believe that? Our happiness is a momentary feeling. It comes from happenings around. But joy is eternal in Christ Jesus. Joy is internal and eternal. Your rejoicing is your decision and not in the happenings around you. Joy connect you to the supernatural. It is a supernatural flow from God. Supernatural supply is made possible on the platform of your rejoicing. Heaven is a place of joy because of our joyous God who is there. The scripture clearly states that heaven will be a place where God will wipe away every tear and there will be no more crying. So often we see scenes of heaven in the Bible. There are great exclamations of joy and glorious singing. But I think we often pass over the ecstasy of heaven. We see the holiness of heaven and the glory of God. But sometimes we miss the ecstatic joy. We understand that there will be no more pain and no more evil in heaven. The intermission between the sixth and the seventh trumpets has come to an end. The scene has shifted back to the heavenly stage. And the seventh angel lets loose with the final fanfare. There would be an immense jubilation because the trumpet has sounded. Look at the verse 15a. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet. And as we see here, the sounding of the seventh trumpet represents a period of time in which God's plan of ultimate justice would be fulfilled or finished. If you will go back to chapter 8 of Revelation, chapter 8 verse 1, at the opening of the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven. And it was for about half an hour. But here we see something very different. And there is a stark contrast here in the opening of the seventh trumpet. As the host of heaven explodes in celebration as they rejoice in the beginning of the end. You see, now the long wait is over. There is payday someday. And beloved, here at the sounding of the seventh trumpet, we see the signal of that payday. There would be an immense jubilation because God's temple was open. In verse 19, you could read like this. Then God's temple in heaven was opened and within his temple was seen the ark of his covenant. And there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, 
peals of thunder, an earthquake, and severe hailstorm. John, the beloved, is seeing right into the most holy place of the heavenly temple. The temple of God and the covenant are pictures of Israel. Here, it says that the temple was open in heaven and the ark of the covenant appeared in God's sanctuary. A symbol that all he has promised to Israel will come to pass. God has not forgotten his covenant with his chosen people, the Israelites. And just the ark represented God's presence and fellowship with God in the earthly temple, the one that had been destroyed two decades before John's vision. So now this symbolic imagery of a heavenly temple is meant to confirm those same thing, to confirm what has just been announced. God has come. The king is present in a new way. Look again at verse 15a. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven. All of it is just Old Testament shorthand for saying the almighty God has come in power. I believe there will be meaningful and purposeful activity in heaven. I believe there will be indescribable joy. When Jesus was on earth, he said that his purpose in coming was so that my joy, says Jesus, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. John chapter 15, verse 11. If that was Jesus' desire and purpose on earth, how much more it is in heaven. His purpose is the same, to give us a complete joy. In verse 7 of Luke chapter 15, he said, There was great joy in heaven when one sinner repents. There is great joy over the repentant sinner. Because there is one more person who will share in the glories of heaven. And part of the joy of heaven for God and for us is that you, you, and I will be there. You know what? The psalmist talked about the joy and pleasures in heaven when he wrote in Psalm 16 verse 11. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So remember this. His kingdom comes with an immense jubilation. The second thing, his kingdom comes with an introspective juncture. You could read it in verse 15b, 16 to 17a. Now with the sounding of the seventh trumpet, the final judgment leading up to the glorious transfer of kingdoms is set into motion 
which anticipates this divine rule over all creation and the coming earthly millennial kingdom which will be the consummating bridge to the eternal kingdom. It would be the bridge to the eternal kingdom. And although you will recall that there are two paces to the future kingdom, you know what? There is a differentiation that is made between the millennial kingdom and the eternal kingdom. Remember that. Millennial kingdom and eternal kingdom. That is typical in scripture. We don't see that differentiation very often. And there is a juncture on the kingdom. What is the juncture? In verse 15b, it says, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. Now, would you notice the phrase? The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. Notice the first word, kingdom. It is singular. It is not plural. We are here in this world with so many kingdoms. There are kingdoms here on earth. But here, John the Beloved wrote the kingdom, only one kingdom. Why? You will recall that Satan tried to establish an earthly kingdom at Babel. And the trying God defeated his attempt at a one-word state by confounding the languages, thus dispersing the satanic kingdom to every corner of the globe. Notwithstanding the language barrier that has served to prevent a full-fledged international state, all of the diverse languages and all of the diverse nations of the world. But... Satan rule all those kingdoms, and it is called the kingdom of darkness. So, the emphasis here is on changing of the ruler from Satan to Jesus Christ. It is uncertainty. So, although the transference of power from Satan to God is still future. The certainty of it is as though it were already done. Let me repeat it. As though it were already done. It has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ. So, this transfer of the kingdom is an accomplished fact that is yet to occur. What a testimony of the omnipotent power of God, of His sovereignty, the one who works all things after the counsel of His own will. We could see another juncture. It is the juncture of the kingdom worshippers. In verse 16 and 17a, And the 24 elders who were seated on their thrones before God, fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was. 
few of us understand the significance of this better than 24 elders who sit in the presence of God. Probably you can recall that these elders are a symbolic representation of God's people in heaven. Just as there were 12 tribes of Israel and 12 apostles of Christ. So we have here 24 elders who sit, not stand. Which would be the normal Old Testament language. Seated in NIV means at rest in the presence of God. In chapter 5, the elders worship in light of this scroll's implementation. Here, they shout again. This time, in light of the scroll's full realization. From scroll's implementation to scroll's full realization. So with this glorious reality is now inside. Notice in verse 16. And the 24 elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God. Children of God, understand this. This is referring to us, you and me. The 24 elders are the representatives of the glorified, raptured church. So with the sounding of the seventh trumpet, we read that we will fall on our faces and then we sing a hymn. Whew, can you imagine a more dramatic demonstration of humility? A veneration to fall on your face and sing a hymn. And beloved, while we are on our faces before the Lord of glory, we will erupt into a spontaneous jubilation and sing this glorious praise here in verse 17a, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was. Number one, his kingdom comes with an immense jubilation. His kingdom comes with an introspective juncture. And thirdly, his kingdom comes with an inevitable judgment. And you could read it in verse 18. Now, let me say this. In chapter 12, we will learn more about the current ruler of this world who will be soon ousted. Revelation was given to seven real churches. And if we put ourselves in the sandals of those first readers, I think we might have a better sense of why the seventh trumpet revealed what it reveals. Remember, when the elders speak of the nations having raids, many of those seven churches understood what that looked like. They were beginning to see and feel in pronounced ways the words of position against God. Therefore, revelation is the revelation they needed in that it does not simply talk about the nations raging, but also God's wrath coming. As we shall see from the rest of the book, it also goes on to describe those other elements in verse 18. Judgment, reward, and punishment. 
You could see God's wrath in this. In verse 18a, The nations were angry, and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for destroying those who destroy the earth. These elders give us a summary of the details of the establishment of God's reign. The nations raids in rebellion. God's wrath came. The dead were judged. The people, you and I, the people of God rewarded. And the wicked destroyed. Now, to be very clear about this. God has always and will always reign as king of the universe. That's never changed. And it never can change. As we've already pointed out, what is in view here is the kingdom of the world. Not only God's judgment, but God's reward. In verse 18, BN, for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your people who revere your name, both great and small. So the glorification of those who have already been declared righteous in that passage is as certain as if it has already been accomplished. His kingdom comes with an immense jubilation. His kingdom comes with an introspective juncture. His kingdom comes with an inevitable judgment. And lastly, his kingdom comes with a king who is an incomparable judge. In verse 17b, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign, and he will reign forever and ever. One of the most surprising things about this passage is not simply that we do not find the kind of judgment, the kind of woe we might have expected, but that instead, the revelation seems to unexpectedly fast forward. Did you notice how everything is in the past tense here? It doesn't say the kingdom of the world will become. The kingdom of the world will become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ. Hindi ganun ang sinulat ni John the Beloved. John wrote this, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ. The elders don't cry out, You will take your great power and begin to reign. Someday. But John the Beloved wrote like this, Because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. Have you seen it? Everything is depicted as if it's already happened. Parang nangyari na. When you look at this text, up until this time, the kingdom has not been fully established here on earth. I don't see that, do you? I hope you don't. And this is an important truth that frankly reputes those who would have us believe that Christ's glorious reign began in AD 70 when Jerusalem was destroyed of those who believe that the kingdom is synonymous with the church. The incomparable judge will have a powerful takeover. He will take 
over the kingdom of the world. 17b says, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. If we will go back to the prophecy of Daniel, in Daniel's vision, he vividly saw this in chapter 7, beginning verse 13. In my vision at night, I look and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worship him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is that one that will never be destroyed. So there would be a powerful takeover and there would be a permanent takeover. Look at verse 15c. And he will reign forever and ever. He says, you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. Here, the use of perfect tense, you have taken. It denotes the permanence of Jesus' takeover. His judicial act will now have continuing result. As he now exercises his regal power and authority in judgment which will continue through his mediatorial kingdom, the earthly millennial kingdom, because it must fully establish on earth as Christ when he will one day be seated upon his throne. Let me conclude in this. Remember this, brethren. In Christ, we can approach God without fear. In Christ, we can approach God without fear. But without Christ, the ark, the symbol of God's unapproachable holiness and power, it will remain dangerous as ever. In Christ alone will we be safe when the day of reckoning arrives. The ark of the covenant reminds us that we have to make a choice and that we have to make it with all of our hearts. Second thing that I would like you to think is this. The invitation to enter into God's delight is yours for the taking. Brethren, although Jesus came to earth not to condemn the world, but to save it, that was part of Jesus' job. It was completed on the cross. The church's job and the believer's job is to make sure everybody gets an invitation. But when that assignment has been completed and Jesus takes the throne, his own task changes. His authority shall grow continually. He will establish the endless peace and uphold the throne with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. Brethren, and to all of you who joined with us in this camp meeting, you need to choose life. Moses said to the Israelites that you may live. 
The same choice is given to us today. It just prays a little differently. Today, choose Jesus Christ that you may live. Will you please bow your heads and close your eyes? And to all of you who listen intently to the Word of God, and you are right there in your abode, and you want to decide right now, will you choose life? Will you choose Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If it is the very first time you hear such kind or you heard such kind of message. And if you want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, whether you like it or not, even if you don't want to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior today, without a doubt, it is certain that Jesus will reign whether you will accept Him today or not. But if I were you, I will decide this very hour to choose Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And to those of you who wanted to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, would you please repeat this prayer after me? Come on. Bow your heads, close your eyes, and with faith and humility, repeat this prayer after me. Say it loudly come on dear god in heaven thank you for inviting me to enter into your delight today i choose life i choose jesus as lord and savior of my life i acknowledge that you are the way the truth and the life that you died for my sins, buried and rose again, so that I may inherit eternal life. Again, I fully surrendered my whole life to you, even my future. Reign in me, let your kingdom come, even in my life, both now and ever. In Jesus' name, Amen. To all of you who repeated that prayer after me, congratulations. God heard your voice. And today, God accepted you as His very own child. Congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. And I would like to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray to each and every one of them, Lord, that at this very moment, Lord, they humble themselves before you, accepted you as Lord and Savior of their lives. I really thank you for the forgiveness of their sins. I really thank you, Lord, that you've given them the power to become the children of God. And I pray, O oh God, that you would allow them, Lord, to know you more and more, O oh dear Father. O oh God, preserve them, protect them, Lord. Hallelujah. And let them continue, Lord, to serve you with fear and trembling. And allow them to grow in the knowledge of God more and more. To you, I entrust their lives. 
and to all who listen, O God, to all our online campers, O dear Father. I pray that you would touch them. I pray that they would have this kind of joy serving you because you are coming very, very soon. And I declare, O God, Jesus comes, his kingdom comes, Maranatha, to you all the glory, honor, power, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, I would like to ask each and every one of us to stand up, please, and continue to bow your heads and close your eyes as I declare this blessing, a Father's blessing. Lord, allow me, O oh dear Father, to declare and pronounce your blessing among your people. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Shalom. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy. The only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. And everybody says and agree, amen. Thank you very much. God bless you, JRM Sydney.